Hello, and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is. It's a weekly podcast where we take a closer look at popular songs from the rock and roll era, and we look into some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Call. Did you miss me? Because I missed you. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with me, come find me on Twitter. I'm over at How Good It Is Pod, or you can leave a comment on the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some additional trivia, some follow-ups, and some other stuff that I found interesting. And don't forget to check out and follow the show's Facebook page, which I can sense is on the edge of turning into a pretty groovy little community. It's over at facebook.com slash ow, how good it is pod. Hey, did you realize that this was the the week in 1964 that the Beatles occupied the entire top five on the Billboard charts. That's right. The week of uh, April 4th, 1964, the chart placings were as follows. Number one, Can't Buy Me Love. Number two, Twist and Shout. Number three, She Loves You. Number four, I Want to Hold Your Hand. And number five, Please Please Me. For what it's worth, they also had a few other songs on the Hot 100. Number 31 was I Saw Her Standing There. Number 41, From Me to You. Number 46, Do You Want to Know a Secret? Uh, Number 58, All My Lovin'. Uh, Number 65, You Can't Do That. Number 68, Roll Over Beethoven. And finally, at number 79, uh, Thank You, Girl. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 songs on the uh, U.S. Billboard chart. And there were also two Beatles tribute records on the list. We Love You Beatles by the Carefrees at number 42 on the chart and a letter to the Beatles by the Four Preps at number 85. In 1960, a record came out that I'm going to describe as objectively bad, and it was a big hit that remains loved to this day. Rosalie Mendez Hamlin was born on July 21st, 1945 in Klamath Falls, Oregon. She was raised in Anchorage, Alaska until she was 11 years old when her family moved to San Diego. Now young Rosie taught herself to play the piano and to write songs. At the age of 13, she pretended to have a babysitting job, but instead she found an older folks who were uh, in a band and they were looking for a singer. She auditioned over the phone and she lied about her age, telling them that she was 16 years old. According to the autobiography she wrote for her website, Rosie was paid in tips and she suspected that the band knew she wasn't really 16. When she was 14, she met up with some older guys from across town who were also interested in music. Those guys were Carl Von Goodat, who played drums, David Ponce and Noah Tofola, who played guitars, Tony Gomez, who played bass, and Alfred Barrett, who played saxophone. They rehearsed some songs as a group, Uh, which still didn't have a name, and after a while they went looking for a studio that they could use to record some of their material. Now, Rosalie had written a poem about her boyfriend, which she loosely based on the Penguin song, Earth Angel. She then took this poem and she worked on a melody, which was largely based on the chord changes from Heart and Soul. Now, the only studio they could locate that was a reasonable distance from San Diego was a section of an otherwise abandoned airplane hangar that had been converted into a studio by the aviation mechanic who owned the building. 
The studio wasn't an especially sophisticated place. It only had a two-track recorder, and the space itself was still pretty big, so the recording had some echo that wasn't intended to be on the record. And it took multiple takes to get a finished recording. According to Rosalie, it was probably 30 takes or more. Each time somebody made a mistake, they'd have to stop and start over again. And maybe that explains a little bit about the finished product. Now, I feel like I have to defend myself a little bit. The song we're talking about is Angel Baby. And in my book, Angel Baby is a good song. It's simple. It's honest. It's got that naivete of a young teenager. And that's where I think the appeal lies. But the recording is objectively bad. The drummer seems to lose track of what he's doing. The piano misses a beat. The echo makes it all sound hollow. And the saxophone player didn't really know how to play the saxophone, but at least he had an excuse. Because you see, the bass player, Tony Gomez, is playing the saxophone instead of Alfred Barrett. Why? Because Barrett had to stay home and mow the lawn. That's the life of a teenager. But I guess it's all those flaws that make the song so charming for people. Now, as with so many bands that are just getting started, Rosie and the Originals really only had the one song ready to go. So when they were asked, what do you want for the other side? They were stuck for a bit until they made up something pretty much on the spot. Now, obviously, the B-side of the record is a very different kind of sound. It's a tune called Give Me Love, and it's clearly not Rosie Hamlin singing vocals on this. And the only vocal credit I could find went to someone called uh, Blueford Wade. Now, according to Rosie's autobiography, Blueford was a friend of theirs who had tagged along. And she says that Noah Tofola said, Hey, Blueford, why don't you just ad-lib something? To the best of my knowledge, this is the only recording anywhere for which he gets some kind of credit. And by the way, while this side is tonally different, it's no better than the A side. The guitarist loses his place, the sax is still bad, and what's more, the saxophone solo ends a couple of measures before it should. Whoever's providing finger snaps can't maintain the beat. Both sides of this record are bad, okay? It's just plain bad. But the fact is, for its relative success, Angel Baby has been kind of a cursed record for a number of reasons. Because it sounded so unpolished, when they shopped it around, nobody wanted to release it. They went to a Kresge's department store in Los Angeles, and they convinced the manager of the, rec uh, the music department to play the record in the store and make it available in the listening booths there. Now, the record did sell a few copies, and it caught the attention of a distributor at Highland Records, who managed to take control of the record without even signing a formal contract. One of the stipulations of the deal, however, was the songwriting credit would go to David Ponce, the guitar player, because he was the oldest member of the group. Now, it's not especially clear here. There's really not much detail on the story, but my guess is that he was the only one who was literally old enough to legally sign any kind of agreement. Angel Baby was released to the general public by Highland Records in November of 1960, and it was shortly after the release that the contract finally came to the band. Unfortunately, that's also when Rosie discovered she couldn't collect any royalties because David Ponce, not Rosie Hamlin, was listed as the song's composer. The dispute led the group to break up just as the record was hitting it big. Angel Baby debuted on Billboard's Hot 100 chart just a few weeks later, and it stayed on the charts for 13 weeks, peaking at number 5 on both the Hot 100 and the R&B charts by the end of January. By the end of the year, the songwriting credit was straightened out, but it literally took decades of legal battles for Rosie to get any royalties. 
There were a couple of follow-up singles. This is one of them. It's titled Angel From Above, and there was another one called We'll Have a Chance. They went largely ignored by the public, and that was pretty much it for the group and her relationship with Highland Records. However, Jackie Wilson did notice, and he introduced Rosie to his manager, Nat Tranapal. Tranapal got her a recording contract with Brunswick Records. Uh, aside from Rosie and Noah Tofola, none of the other originals were included in the deal. Now, the band had some lush strings and some perfect instrumentals that were provided by the Dick Jacobs Orchestra. But, frankly, the singles in the album that resulted from this arrangement failed miserably, and Brunswick dropped the contract. And except for a brief period in the early 1980s when she was an art teacher in Colorado, uh, Rosie remained in the music business, performing until not long before she died at the end of March 2017. Yeah, that's John Lennon. Oddly enough, John Lennon was a huge fan of this song. I don't know if you could hear it clearly, but at the beginning he says, This tune is one of my all-time favorite songs. Lennon recorded this for his 1975 album titled Rock and Roll, although it didn't make the final track cut. The finished track was finally used in 1986 for the uh, Men Love uh, Avenue album, which of course was several years after Lennon died. And that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. Once again, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter at howgooditispod. You can also check out and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where I like to throw in a few extra bits for you. Next time around, we're going to find out how good it is when you're remembered by Gordon Lightfoot. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you then. <laughs>